everyone to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. It is my hope and intention that you find a lot of enjoyment from the diverse group of guests that we have on this show. I am so blessed that writers want to speak to me, and I have the best time doing this. I hope that you are well and safe and healthy. If you're not, I'm saying uh, sending up all kinds of major good mojo for you. And if you are, yay, stay that way. My guest tonight is Claire Fullerton. Claire and I hit it off the last time she was on this show. She was at a friend's house in Santa Barbara during the California wildfires, and we had the most fun interview. She is back again today to talk about her new book called Little P. But let me tell you a little bit about Claire. Even though she lives in Malibu, California, she is a Southerner through and through. Uh, She grew up in Memphis, which was a hotbed of social and cultural change, and she wanted to be right there. It was the musical mecca because of Nashville. So she found her niche in music radio as a member of an on-air staff for five different stations for a nine-year career. So music led her to the music business, and the music business led her to California, where she lives now, where she worked um, as an artist representative. We're going to have to talk to her about that. She secured record deals for bands. Then she took a trip to the west coast of Ireland and ended up staying a full year. When you look at her website, clairefullerton.com, you will see the most delightful picture of her peering in a window of an ivy-colored Um, covered cottage can't even see the walls but it's absolutely beautiful before long she started writing and that brings us to today i am so thrilled to welcome back my friend claire fullerton hi my friend how are you no fires i'm so happy to be with you (laughs) no fires but another weird thing happening (laughs) you know we have we have COVID-19, not quite as bad as having it, fires. It's nice to talk to you Yeah, dur- during it, a crisis. It, I can always count on you. You know you can. You know you can. Congratulations on Little T, your, four, your fourth novel. And it, again, it is set in the South. So let's talk about this. I love this book because it's about female friends, which I think women hold on to in a way different way and for longer than men hold on to their longtime friends. Do you agree or disagree? I think you're probably right. I think that uh, those friendships that we form in childhood or maybe in early high school, um, and that as the years progress, and even if, if friends end up in different locations, and even you know if their lives take totally different courses, it's always that touchstone of those friendships that you form in in, in your formative years. And I wrote about this in Little T, and I said that that those friends will never let you forget who you essentially are. In other words, they they will accept no pretenses whatsoever um, of who you think you are, and they will always bring you back home to who you essentially are. And I love the idea of that, and I've, I've, uh, you know, cherished that and honored that uh, through the passing years in my own friendships. And I think, you know, the best girlfriends that I have, they're all in Memphis. And I've been in California yeah. for 26 years. 
And they're the ones who know my history, my family, the good, the bad, the indifferent. And, right. you know, it's, it's, a, it's almost like a secret society. And what I love most about it is that we don't have to say very much of anything at all. And we know exactly what's being said. And, and further, it's the sense of humor that we share that even in the, in the depth of tragedy, you know, I can call one of my friends in Memphis on the phone and say, you're ready for this? And we'll start laughing. Right. Because, right. okay, because we know where this is going. It's like, okay, so who died? And it's our sense of humor that anybody else would think we're being irreverent or flippant. And we're not. You know, we're being lifelong friends. That's what we are. And so when I set out to write Little T, I started writing about that, that I wanted to, to try to capture the way women speak to each other when men are not around yes. and how yes. we solve the problems of the world and our wisdom and our advice and our insights are unbelievably profound. You know, they're, they're incredibly significant in terms of, of what your women friends will have to say about any predicament you find yourself in. And it was that 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 spawned me to write Little T as it started out being about that. And then as I got further into the novel, I was perhaps 25 pages in or so. I remember this. And I said, now, wait a minute. I said the narrator lives in California and has flown down to Memphis and then gone to Heber Springs Lake um, in Arkansas. Why was she hesitant to do that? So what's her backstory? And when I started writing it, I said, okay, I think this is the story of Little T. And Little T is actually a character whose real mm-hmm. name is Thelonia. But, but Southerners are big on nicknames. Yes, they and are. Thelonia's daddy, <laughs> da- uh, daddy is named Thelonious. And so her being named after uh her father, of course, they're going to give her a nickname. They're going to call her Little T. Southerners do that. And so you know, I just ran with that entire premise. It's really interesting to me that we are talking because yesterday, just yesterday, I called my best friend since we're five years old. When she moved in next door to me, we became instant best friends and have kept in touch through all the different trials and tribulations um, of of our families and, and our lives and everything else. And when you talk about nicknames, her family is from Georgia, so... Her name is Jean Marie, and I remember her sister used to call her Gina Wee. And so from Gina Wee, I, would call, I started calling her Wiener. <laughs> and every time I call her, or I just say, hey, Wiener, how are you doing? You know, and, and we go back to that time, like two giggling little girls who sat on the side of right. each other's houses. So she was right next door. So I, I so totally understand that about, um, about, nicknames and the southern culture it was so foreign to me even though my parents were born in new england i was born and raised in miami with my brothers so we didn't have that northern sensibility that new england sensibility you know a little bit reserved and you know they don't let their crazy out of the closet where we just throw open the doors and let it all (laughs) hang out you you know that's that's southern storytelling right I think so. I, I totally understand. You call her what? Well, she, her 
her sister used to call her Gina Wee, um, W-E-E. And so I just started calling her Wiener, W-E-E-N-E-R. I can completely see where you got that. (laughs) She was Gina Wee and I said Wiener. (laughs) And so, and not in a, you know, we were five. It wasn't anything sexual or anything like, it wasn't derogatory in any way. Uh, she gets a good chuckle out of it. Still, when I'll post on her page and say, "Hey, Wiener, how are you?" <laughs> you know? I'm laughing too. It's a good, it's a good um, story. It's a good story. So, um, first of all, I want to congratulate you on again another gorgeous book cover. Oh, it's spectacular, Claire. Um, I don't know who I'm designed so your you book like covers, but whoever whoever designed it did an amazing job. It's just beautiful. Um, it is so reminiscent of the genteel Southern lifestyle, even though, you know, Southerners can be kind of just as nasty as anybody else. We just do it in a different way, right? We comment here. Yep. Yep. True. Well, that that, True. that cover came out from an, from just a, an idea of mine that I wanted it to be of the house that was, uh, you know, representative of of what I called the Wakefield Plantation, which mm-hmm. is uh, in today's parlance they don't use the word plantation; they they call it a right. farm or a, a working farm. And so I have this the Wakefield Plantation in Como, Mississippi. And Como, Mississippi is 45 miles south of Memphis. And I needed an area that was close to Memphis but wasn't Memphis. And I needed it for right. a reason for the story. And I needed right. uh, there to be a family history attached to um, the Wakefield Plantation. And so I said it was, a, it was three generations in the family, and it was uh, close to 300 acres of cotton fields and soybean fields with a pond and woods in the back and all of this. And I needed there to be southern woods in close proximity of the Wakefield Plantation for a reason in the story as well. And so I described to my uh, editor how I envisioned the the cover to be, and I I didn't want any people on it. I just wanted to see from from an interesting angle um, something that, suggested a southern house with southern feel and further I wanted it to look like a painting that, that if we can if we can work out a way to give it depth and dimension um, as if it were a painting that that would be great and they came back with exactly what I had described and so I'm, I've been very very pleased with the cover and I'm glad you like it. It's beautiful even the font and the design of it is is just exquisite. And in this day and age when, you know, you have a thumbnail to breeze through, I will tell you that covers catch my attention. I have purchased books on on Amazon or other places because the cover design is so exceptional that and the title is so exceptional that I'm I think if someone takes that much time to to put a cover like that and to entitle their books so they must be good. And I, I've not been misled too many times about that. So kudos to your your publishing team for giving you exactly what you wanted. Claire, I appreciate that. I, I know that you spent um, some t- you spent a year in Ireland. 
And as I've said to you before, and I think I used that cover picture of you with the ivy colored cottage the last time you were here. Um, tell me, and listeners, why did you go to Ireland and why did you stay a year? And what happened to you while you were there? You know, I mean, emotionally and mentally, I don't mean physically. Um, let me see. Well, I've been there quite a few times before I, oh, okay. that year that I, I that I ended up staying there, and I've I've been there a few times um, since then as well. But it's just uh, it's a it it feels very easy there, you know. It, it, the the people there are are um, incredibly salt of the earth, you know, and incredibly pragmatic people, um, you know, a can-do kind of an attitude. But at the same time, they have a reverence um, for, for, for God and spirit and their history and their heritage. And it's just a, a very wonderful place to spend time, um, and, you know, as a culture. And what I did when I left the music business, because I had been in it for, you know, after nine years of radio in the music business, it, it was a little more than three years. And um, I, I got it in my head that if I could do anything I would live on the west coast of Ireland uh, and write at the time I was writing poetry. And I had mm-hmm. always kept a journal. Uh, and, and at that time, I, I didn't really entertain being, you know, a novelist or writing a novel or any of that. And, and yet after spending a year in Ireland, uh, when, I, when I got back to America, I looked at the journals I kept and I said, um, yeah, there's a story in this and, and why don't I try my hand at writing it? Because I think it's a good one. So that was my first attempt at a novel. But I, I think that the, the simple answer for, for why I went to Ireland and stayed as long as I did was because it occurred to me that I could, you know. And so um, good. I, I just and – I've, and I've always been like this, that I was that way when I moved from Memphis to Los Angeles and then Los Angeles to Ireland and then Ireland back here. I've, I've always just – followed uh the promptings of my heart as in that you know i really want to do this and and therefore i can so it's never occurred to me that that anything like that is ever going to be difficult if there's a feeling uh you know that it somehow seems right that, that it feels right and it's you know it's easy enough to do you know because and that's just my ethos life is for the living and whatever it is you want to follow that, that you're passionate about then just get about the business of doing that, you know, and, and that I can say that equally. So with writing in that um, I wasn't really sure about the logistics of becoming published or, or any of that, but I figured I'd figure it out, you know, once I had written something and, and sort of find my way with it. And, and I believe I'm still finding my way, you know, and I, I think that's the good thing about writing is um, there is no there to get to. You know, it's only it's only the process, right. and and, right. and I I believe that you know if, if you just stay engaged with the process over the years, um, that that you're bound to get better at it, and um, yeah, it, it, it's just an ongoing thing, and and that's where I am with it right now. Is uh, my fourth book released May first? I have a novella out there as well, and I've written another one behind it, and. And, uh, you know, I'll see what happens with that. But, but all in all, um, I, I enjoy the lifestyle and I enjoy the process. And it's, it's not, you know, a struggle for me. Uh, I, I don't beat right. my head up against the wall. It, it comes pretty, pretty easily to me. And, 
And so, yeah, I'm still finding out, you know, what I can make of it, the whole process, but, but I do enjoy sure. it. Sure. So it's the journey, not the destination for you. And, and that's really a great way so. to live your life. Now, you also yeah, have so. published quite a few essays, um, I don't know, 10 or 11, I think. Um, where mm-hmm. do you publish your essays? I think that Southern Writers Magazine did, did quite a few of them. Celtic Life uh, International, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's an international magazine, and, and they, they did a few of mine, uh, my little Irish stories. I had a wonderful right. time. Uh, and, and still have a good relationship with an, an online Irish community called the Wild Geese, which which is a, a lot of fun. And, you know, I just submit every once in a while to whoever is looking for content, you know. Do you um, enjoy writing stories of different lengths? You have essays, you have a novella, and you have full-length novels. Does one excite you more than the other? Is one more difficult than the other? Or do you get the same enjoyment no matter the length of whatever you're writing? The same enjoyment no matter the length. I, I think it's about, you know, sufficiently telling the story and and however long it takes um, to do that. And um, so far, I think that well, – well, actually, I can say one of my my favorite things to write is the first-person essay. I like that. Really? I like I like working in the first. I like working in the first voice, and uh, that's the first person. That's interesting. You know, with, with 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 that voice. And, sure. And I've I've always loved that. And I think that, you know, what gave me a good a good feel for that, was, I worked uh, for the Malibu Surfside News, and right. for a year, weekly, I turned out first person stories. You know, first person essays, on life in Malibu. And, you know, to, to do that weekly and to know that, you, that they didn't really want me to go over a thousand words and that eight, 800 words was, was really what they were looking for right around there. Well, in, in doing that weekly for a year, it really uh, taught me the art of brevity. And yes, I imagine so. As, yeah. as succinct as possible and those kinds of things. And, you know, that again is part of the, the learning curve of, of the process. Um, you know, that, that you first know, had, person essay is art form. Had you been writing fiction, that would have been called flash fiction because generally you don't go over a thousand words when you're writing a piece of flash fiction. But yours are, your, your essays are more subtle than that. Uh, your essays are about a time and a place or for example, you know, um, Reflections on a Southern Mother, uh, which is lovely. Um, or oh, from you saw a, that. A, yeah. And um, uh, In a Garden. <laughs> and Carmel as a writer. I, I love all of these um, because they're, they create a mood and you've almost told a whole story in a 15-minute read. And, and to me, that is a remarkable skill. There are, I, I mean, uh, our network published an anthology of short stories and, um, you know, about 3,000 words. And I had asked authors to contribute to it who said, I've never written a short story in my life. I wouldn't know how to do it. And, and so I think, you know, that says a lot about your talent and dedication as a writer because you've written in so many different styles 
and genres as well. I mean, you wrote for music, you write these beautiful Southern literature books. You wrote A Portal in Time, which was your book that you wrote from Ireland, which was totally different from anything else. And now you have all these published essays. You you do a lovely blog every so often. I know that you're you're posting all the time on social media. So I think writing is in your DNA. What would you say about that? I would I would agree. And for me it comes down to you know when I started to to realize, and I, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about myself, but I, I do think, in, in even hearing you pose this question, that that with the the first person essays and even in the novels I've written, that uh, I'm incredibly introspective, and and I, I like to sort of articulate insights and and build a story around that. In other words, there has to be a point going into anything that that a writer's ever going to write. You know, I mean. Hopefully there's a point, you know, why are you telling this story or, or well, it, why are you writing this essay? You know, what's the point? I found that in Morning Dove when I read your last book. Yeah. It, it was very insightful and um, it was an evocative book in that it took me to a time and place that I was unfamiliar with, but I tried it on and it felt very comfortable. Oh, that's wonderful so, to hear. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think that um, the the whole trick is to, you know, for, for the writer is to understand what their point is, but to never really confess it because you know the the gift that, that a writer gives to the reader is you know reflection, self reflection, or or just uh, the opportunity to consider um, their own life. So in, in a way, it's my attempt at comparing notes uh, on this business of life. And, and I, I approach everything I write with that, that in, in my own way. And it's probably why I choose to write in the first person too, is, is, you know, for me, when I, when I'm reading the book, you know, I feel as if I'm listening to somebody and the first person for me, and, and, and it annoys a lot of people and, and I understand that, but, but for me, I prefer it because I want to know who I'm listening to, who's telling the story. And I want right. to get almost a visceral feel for, you know, who that voice is. And so, yeah, I think that that when one writes in the first person, that it does afford them the opportunity of being able to say, all right, here's my insight, you know, or right. oh, I, I'm just going to articulate it that way. But but you don't want to hit the reader over the head well, with exactly. whatever that that's, insight is. That's what I yeah. was going to say. You know, I never feel like you've pushed your – Whatever it is you're talking about, you've not pushed it onto me. Rather, let me form my own conclusions and take away my own um, insights to what you've said in the story. And and to right. me, that's a gift. That's a gift. Um, I don't want I don't want a template book. I don't want to say I already know what's going to happen. You know, they're going to, uh, you know, in in there's going to be a bad guy and there's a good guy and there's going to be this horrendous thing happen. And then there's going to be the chase and then there's going to be the confrontation and then there's going to be the ending. I mean, you know, I I read so much I could almost do it myself except I'm too lazy and I'm not that talented, but, (laughs) but, but, um, you know, listen, I can, I can barely get my shirt on right side out when I'm walking out the door. So I'm not going to start writing books, (laughs) but, uh, 
I do, you know, and I also read, you know, 400 books a year. So, you know, I am blessed with this wonderful gift of writers from around the world and, and getting to pick and choose what I want to read from them. And I know which books I, I know which books are going to be blink of an eye read and will be long forgotten. And I also know which books stay with me. Um, that I keep thinking about over and over and over again. And there are already this year, you know, and here we are not even halfway through the year. I already have a handful of books that I keep thinking about over and over and over. Um, And to me, that's a gift. Because people often say, you know, you read so much. Do you, can you remember all the books? And I said, I remember them because I go to write a review on them. If they're spectacular, those are the books that are in my living room bookcase that I want to go back to and read again and again. As a matter of fact, I just pulled one off the shelf that um, I read a few years ago, and I love the book, and I've been thinking about it so much. I went and dug through the 3,000 books that I have (laughs) that are just on the shelves, not in my Kindle, um, and pulled it out because I want to read it again. It, because I love the story so much, it that's how it affected me. Well, now you have to tell me the title. Um, the coincidence of coconut cake, and it's written by Amy Riker, and um, it is about a chef and a restaurant reviewer. And it is such an exceptionally written book, The Coincidence of Coconut Cake, Amy Reichert, R-E-I-C-H-E-R-T. I just, um, it was one of my personal favorites, so I have been reading that. Of course. You and I are both fans of Pat Conroy. Uh, You know, I was not fortunate enough to meet him, but I did my thesis on the Prince of Tides. And now that Jonathan Hupp from the uh, Pat Conroy Literary Center is um, a guest host once a month, I've gone back to all my Conroy books and I'm reading those again, too. Uh, So, you know, there are just some books that stay with me. Morning Dove stayed with me because... It was a situation that I had never been around. I I had not had, um, you know, been witness to that type of a story in real life. So I think about that book a lot. And when you dropped me a note and said Little T was coming out, I was, I had to pull that book back out again and look at it. So thank you for that gift because, you know, you write because you have to write because it's in your DNA. But the other thing is you also entertain. Reading is my gospel is, is what I have to do every day. I agree. So thank, so I thank the you same for way. that. Yeah. Thank you for that. Well, well thank you for thanking me. <laughs> no, I do feel the same way. And, you know, especially during these these interesting times in the last couple yes. of months, you know, I, yeah. I found myself reading a lot. I'm reading um, Sue Monk Kids, the book of longings right now. And it's the finest yep. thing I've read. And as long as I can remember, I mean, I, I, it's just like a breath of fresh air in terms of use of language. And Pat Conroy did that too. And I think that yes. when I read the Prince of Tides and, and I don't know when in the 1980s it was, but you know, that to me, I, I, I will never forget being startled, absolutely startled, blindsided. I can at, tell you the first at, line at from that book. What Pat did with language. 
I yeah, can tell too. you the first line. I, I am a Southern boy, <laughs> Southern man born and raised. And I will never forget that book as long as I live. I will never forget it. Um, when my, my English professor gave us a choice of books and I said, oh, I'm going to read this one again because I had absorbed it too fast. I hadn't really yeah. appreciated yeah. it. And I read it again and I thought, oh, my God, it's the most exceptional book. Now, I have others that are, are my favorites. Do you ever go back and reread books that you loved? Definitely, because I, I what I do, um, for instance, I, I, have, I have a few books that ground me into excellence, into the highest standard. And I want right. to keep that in my consciousness at all times at what the highest right. standard is. And so I found that when I'm, when I'm reading other material um, for, for, for whatever reason, and right. or, or, in, or if I've been going through writing my own novels, that I will read the way that, that some people will read um, like a, a touch point type of spiritual manual yes. or something that yes. I, I will revisit. Conroy's The Prince of Tides, or Ron Rash is another person that gets me gets me on center, uh, center page. I revere Ron Rash. I've read everything that he's ever put out. There are poets I feel the same way about that I will right. read just to get me back in terms of this is center page. This is the part. Right. This is how it's done. And this is this uh, is where Rebecca, the bar is. Right. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, and, and I and I think that you always have to have an awareness of what the highest standard is, or, or at least yeah. I do. And the reason, the reason I say that is for me, it's all about language. It's not what you say. It's not the story you tell. It's how you tell it. And I may, I, agree. I'm, I may be unique in that because I know a lot of people um, are, are concerned about the story, the plot, the plot turns, this and that and the other. And for me, um, and this is just, just a, a, a personal you know, decision. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying that, that for me, it is all about uh, the beauty of the language. And I think yes. that it's probably why I could never, you know, have any success with commercial fiction, you know, and, or, or writing a thriller on some, or some of these things that that's its own art and its own genre. And there's, yes, there's a way that that's but, done, you know, when it's done well. But you found well, but, what works for you. You found the, yeah. the way it works well, I, for you. I, and that's I, important. I found who I am. I found who right. I am, which is, which is, right. yeah. And, and, and how I prefer um, to communicate, you know, with the written word. And, and so, Absolutely. you know, we'll, we'll see where it takes me. You know, but but at least I'm being, but at least I'm being. You're true being true to, to yourself, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Claire, yeah. tell everyone what your website is, please. It's my name, and I can tell the spelling. Uh, I spell Claire C L A I R E, and my last name is Fullerton, just like it sounds. F U L L E R T O N. ClaireFullerton.com will get you straight. And are you on social media as well? I am everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I am. You, you know, you know what I really love is Instagram, and I like Instagram um, just for you know the immediacy of it, and and it's mostly just about the pictures. And um, I've been having a good time on Instagram because I'm insane over my my three dogs. I have German Shepherds. Uh, they run the show. They're a lot of fun, and uh, I also enjoy pretty much at some point every day. I'm always outside 
and I have immediate proximity to the to the beach and the ocean where, where I live. Right. And so right. I've always got my my cell phone camera on me, and and I remain in awe for uh, you know my immediate surroundings. And so I tend to post just whatever strikes my attention um, on Instagram, yep. and I, I like that a lot. So I'm CF Fullerton there. I use my initials. Well, I actually um, probably should learn how to do Instagram. My my um. My partner in crime, who runs our book review group, Kay, as you know, um, <laughs> she reviewed Little T. I, I need to write her a it. thank you note and send her oh. flowers. <laughs> oh, she loved that book. She well, but you know, she's in Memphis, so of course she loved it. But the interesting thing is that she's like the social media wizard, and she's always saying, "You have to start an Instagram account." And I, I can't. I can't. I. You know, I produce 20 shows. I, I, I'm too busy answering email. And so I, I can't do anything else. Um, and I abhor Twitter because I think people are mean on there. But so I just have it set up so my Facebook page goes to my Twitter feed. That's the best I can do. You know, <laughs> I can't do anything. I, I think you're doing that. a good job. You're, <laughs> Thank you're you. doing a fine job and letting people know you, you exist. I mean, Thank you. It's, all, it's all good. I am so thrilled that you're back. I I can't wait for your next book. Tell me what what your timeline is for the next one. Well, I have finished it, and it is uh, the title of it is The Insiders. And, Wonderful. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it, there's a road ahead of me uh, with this. Right now, I'm I'm uh, actually you know I'm drifting around my days trying to you know trying to sort of keep peace with the, the strange situation that we're in right now. Um, right. You know, pand- pandemically and all that. And I've been, right. uh, little T was released on May 1st. And so I've been doing what authors do when they have a new release and, uh, you know, essentially set up a schedule well ahead of time, months in advance. And you, know, you send the book out and you do all this and, and you do it with an eye towards, you know, knowing what's going to come back to you and when it's going to come back. And it's almost like, like playing a, a hand, yeah. you know? Right. And so right. I've been, I've been doing that and uh, I am satisfied and gratified that I, I do have another book done. And, you know, I think I'm going to start writing another one soon enough here. Uh, I've already got an idea for it. And, you know, I'm just, I don't have any pressure on myself really uh, to do to, to do anything at any given time. And I, I prefer living that way, you know, as, as a lifestyle. Absolutely. And, right. You know, so so it, it's it is a blessing uh, and I do not take it for granted ever uh, to be, you know, engaged in the opportunity to find my way uh, as a writer. You know, and again, it's, it's a growth process, but but just to have the luxury um, of being able to explore um, that arena is really why I'm in it, that I consider it, you know, like other arts, you know, like, like dance. I have a, a background in ballet um, right. and other forms of dance as well. And, you know, it, the, with regard to the arts, it's all an expo- exploration uh, of who we are, and it's all the pursuit of communication of who we are and it, it, nothing in the arts ever happens instantaneously. 
and it's right. all a growth process, and there is no there to get to. And so that's why um, from everything that I've ever given my my works and my attention to, it, it it's all been creative, and it's all in one shape, fashion, or form been the communicative arts, you know, an exploration of, of being in the world, if you will. And um, so, yeah, I like to keep a, a few irons in the fire at the same time through, through music and through dance and through writing, um, just because, you know, that for me is, you know, how, how I prefer to, to experience life, you know, it, it's right. through that. And, and what, what comes of it is, you know, we'll see. <laughs> We'll see right. what comes of it, but 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 I feel I've, blessed I've, to even be involved. Right. I've got to end this show. I'm bumping into my next guest, Claire Fullerton. Will you come back when the next book, The Insiders, comes out? I will definitely stay in touch, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Pam. I love being able to talk to you, Claire, and I will be in touch with you again, obviously. In the meantime, I want to thank our listeners and readers, and thank you, Mom and Dad. And I'll see you later. Have a great day, everybody. Bye, Claire.